Ahoy, welcome to the Design That Scales weekly podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Anna. This is the go-to source for non-designers to get the latest design tips and tricks to scale their business. In today's episode, we'll be talking about how you can boost your Facebook ad engagement in four easy steps. But before that, have you got a fun fact for us this week, Anna? I've got a fun fact and it's totally random. So here we go. Did you know? And I think because we're moving into summer and I've been quite dehydrated recently, not drinking enough water. I was curious about how long a camel can survive without water. And can you have a guess, Ben? How long do you think a camel can survive? Three weeks. Wow. (laughs) In the desert. They live in the desert. It's hot there. The camels. They have a hump. My hump, my hump, my hump. My lovely lady lady lumps. lumps. Check it out. It's true. (laughs) The lady lumps will get them through the dehydration. (laughs) I love it. Well, in fact, I mean, you're not too far off, but they can actually survive for around 15 days without water, but they actually don't store water in their humps. They store fat, but they can actually live off the fat. So that's quite interesting. Mm, Wow. Must make a good camel crackling. (laughs) (laughs) Coming from a vegetarian, I shouldn't say that. (laughs) Well, clearly just on Struggle Street with Veggie, then you're thinking about camel crackling. I I just, it's catchy, but it's also not catchy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So how, if they can't store water in their humps, how do they survive for two weeks? The explanation that's been provided is that they have a unique shape of blood cells, which are oval. And there's just the way that their chemical makeup is means that they can live off that breaking down of the fat. Mm. But um, what about you? What's your, what's your fun fact for us, Ben? So I stole my fun fact again from Best Life Online this week. Ah, here we go again. Oh, man. Anna, if you think of Saudi Arabia, what do you think of? Camels. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Wow, what a coincidence. We're so aligned. Saudi Arabia, am I saying that right? Uh, (laughs) Is known for its vast expanse of desert. So it may seem unbelievable that they rely on Australia to supply them with animals that dominate their landscape. So Australia originally had camels imported to be used for transporting heavy loads or for riding. They were let loose when their work was done, causing an unwanted spike in their population. Australians then sold the camels back to desert-based countries like Saudi Arabia, which use camels at a much higher volume. Wow. What are the odds of us going and getting camel facts? <laughs> it's bizarre. What's the camel spirit animal meaning? Maybe, maybe there's a message that the camels are trying to share with us. I don't know. Is Venus in retrograde or something? And, and <laughs> I don't know. We're the worst queers we're meant to know about astrology? I don't know. I scrolled through 170 facts and decided that the camel one was the one I wanted today. Yeah. So. <laughs> there you go. Something magical. But that is really interesting because we sort of live, you know, in more coastal areas. You forget that Australia is so predominantly desert. Yes. I mean, I always find it hard to believe there's that many camels in Australia because I've never seen one. No. <laughs> Where are they all hiding? Right in the middle, right in the red center. Oh, they're all out there surviving for 15 days without water is what they're doing. <laughs> they are, burning up their hump fat. <laughs> the lovely lady fat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Such a a, we love that song. That's Fergie, isn't it? Yeah. It's hot, hot, delicious. It's Camelicious. Camelicious. The hump is what I got. (laughs) (laughs) It's a new version. We're going to write a song for camels. So 
if you've stumbled across our podcast for the first time today, it is not the design that scales podcasts with camels. It is actually about graphic design. And today we'd like to talk to you about Facebook ads in specifically and how to scale them. Yes. So of course, Facebook ads are important to grow a business. You know, you've got your organic content, um, which is offering value to people. And then you've got your more strategic Facebook ads. So we're talking about how you can create engaging Facebook ads to help grow your business. And I'm going to start with some of the ad placements you might want to get into when you're first getting started um, or just looking at approaching ads for the first time. I think the first point to call out is that um, a fail to plan is a plan to fail. And when you're creating Facebook ads, this is the case. Bump, bump. So when you're you know, growing a business, it's important not only to think about the content marketing, but also that, that paid ad strategy. So really planning out what are your ads trying to achieve, who are your target audiences, who are your segments, um, and really having that in mind before you go and start creating or briefing any type of ads. So step one, we want you to decide if you're going to be marketing across Facebook on desktop or mobile or both. So on desktop, you can have longer form copy or, um, you know, ads that, that really go into detail about reasons to believe or countering objections. But if you're mainly going to be marketing on mobile, you really want to make sure you're sort of providing shortened copy forms that are quickly digestible and more at the pace of someone browsing on mobile. And an interesting stat about mobile is that 79% of Facebook users actually browse their feeds using their mobile devices. So if you're not thinking mobile, um, and Ben will talk more about that, um, but mobile is, it's important to think about uh you know, the type of ads you're going to be creating in terms of where, what channel they'll live on. So step one, step number two, uh, you want to think about which Facebook ad placements you're going to use. So will you be using an image ad? You know, these are great. You can actually elevate and boost existing organic posts that you have. Um, video ads are an excellent place to start as well. It's a really great way. Video content we know is a great way to explain new or complex ideas more simply. It makes it more digestible. Video content is hot. Carousel ads. Now, recently, uh, we've actually been testing some carousel video ads. So we like to lean into some of our testimonials at 55 Nuts, and we've got some great video recordings. So we're, we're trialing currently carousel video ads. So the idea is that you feature multiple either static images or multiple video images, and so that someone can really quickly just scroll through the swipe, swipe right, not in a dating sense, um, swipe left actually. Yeah, I always get confused. Um, <laughs> uh, to really show multiple multiple um, testimonials in the one moment um, in the one ad. So that's a really great place to start. And of course, stories. So story stories ads are mobile only and they're full screen vertical video formats that do allow you to maximize that screen real estate on a mobile. So really thinking about that. Um, and in terms of deciding on which placements you're using, when you're briefing in your ads, once you've decided, okay, this is my audience, you've decided which channels you're going to be marketing marketing on, and then you've decided the exact type of placement you want to be briefing in, you need to know what the specs or the pixels or ratio are, so what the ratio is for that particular uh, type of ad placement that you've decided on. So, you know, when we're doing static ads or we're boosting ads from our feed, or we're just briefing in completely new Facebook ads, 
we're thinking about that one-to-one square ratio. And Ben, you mentioned this to me the other day that often um, with the way that Facebook works, it's talking in ratios as opposed to pixels. Yes. So it used to be pixels. So one-to-one is 1080 pixels by 1080 pixels. The other one is 16 by by 9, which is the same as like most TVs, which is 1920 by 1080. Aspect ratios are gone. They're using aspect ratios to try to get you to produce or to give you the ability to, to go higher than those pixels for a sharper image. But I think Facebook is pretty slack at actually checking it. So if it's not the right aspect, it will still take it. Mm, and is that, I mean, I feel like that's probably not a good thing though, because it's not going to look as nice, is it? It looks funny in the window for it. So you want to make sure it's pixel perfect. Pixel perfect. Coined the term. Love it. And absolutely. So there you go. If you want, you know, swish looking ads and you don't want them to sort of pixelate or look off you really need to be super clear on which ads you've selected you've briefed in the pixels or the ratio so that your creative team knows exactly what you're looking for and then the step four which is sort of part of this journey of deciding you know how to get the best out of your Facebook ads is creating a Facebook ad testing framework so something we do a lot at 55 knots is we like to try different types of creative across our Facebook ads. We like to weekly shift them, pivot, or if something's working, we like to go, great, how can we extend that, repurpose it, take it in a new direction, but keep the essence. So really making sure that if you want to succeed in your Facebook ad strategy, you're creating that creative testing framework. It sounds like a vocal warm-up. She sells seashells. She does. She really does. And Ben, you know, I've sort of just touched on a little bit about the desktop versus mobile, but what's the importance of of sort of mobile responsiveness in um, Facebook ad engagement? So mobile ads or mobile creative, I think, is often forgot about. Um, I see it quite often. And it's usually with people putting too much copy on ads. So even though on desktop you can read it because, you know, you've got a large, well, I have a large 28-inch monitor. Yes, you are. Not bragging, but <laughs> but it's bigger than most, that's all I'm saying. So on my screen, um, and because I'm kind of blind, I have a very high, low resolution. So the one-by-one one square image, for example, is super easy to read, so you can put lots of content on it. But on mobile phones, it's not the same luxury. It's very small. So that's the first thing we see a lot of people making a mistake is putting too much copy on it. Looks great on desktop. Forget about it. Go home later. Scroll on Facebook and go, wow, that's really hard to read. Um, the second thing I see people doing wrong list is as with too much going on, so not just copy, but like trying to tell everybody about every single thing that you do on a one static little square. If you do that, you will reduce engagement. So you may as well not bother because if you're trying to tell them about all the utensils in the kitchen drawer, you're not going to sell a single one. So you just want to tell them about the fork. Specifically the fork, yes. Everyone wants to get forked, is all I can say. It's my favourite utensil. I mean, I use it the most. I would agree. I mean, you start with the fork and then you spoon. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's perfect. <laughs> How do I get to where I get? I have no idea. Anyway. <laughs> it's a gift that you only you have. So if you do want to tell everybody about every single utensil in the kitchen drawer, the best way to do that is with breaking down to a carousel ad, as Anna's already mentioned. So you have the ability to have 10 slides. So put the most favorite utensil first, whether that's a fork, and then end on the spoon. But you also have the ability to tell Facebook to um, show a bit of creative. So say if you don't have any copy on it, it doesn't matter the order that they're in. Facebook can actually 
put the image that's getting the most clicks to the front of the queue. So if it happens to be a spoon, it'll end up at the front of the queue and then the fork will move somewhere else. The other option is if you still have a lot to say, turn it into a video because video is more engaging. People pause a little bit and it's a great way to get more content in there um, in more of an engaging way. You can do that with an explainer animation, which we talked about on last week's episode. But when I do Facebook ads, I like to think of them as out of home campaigns. So short and sharp. So if you need inspiration, take a look at what's hanging around at bus stops. So what I mean by that is brand campaigns are great at showing you a little bit of content with a really punchy headline that really gets you hooked straight away. And so, and you should consider Facebook ads exactly the same. Out of home campaigns are designed to grab your attention in a very busy street. Facebook is a busy feed. So if you want to hook them, use short copy, works great for mobile and will also work great for desktop. Oh, I love that. I love that tip, Ben. It's so true, isn't it? Because on a bus stop, you're either you're driving past or you're walking past and it's a quick, it's like you're you're physically scrolling past <laughs> in the real world. It was the old feed. <laughs> yeah, no, but seriously, I've been looking at a lot of bus stop ads. There's one for eBay at the moment. It's, I think it's about vacuum cleaners, but yeah, it's only about five words and it's just got big images and it's really, really engaging. I always notice the eBay ones, but that's just thing because I have bias towards them. It's also a great thing to think about is that with out-of-home campaigns like bus stops, you're putting a lot of brands that do up um, out-of-home are spending a lot of money with absolutely zero indication of return on investment because there is there is no data. They're putting something out there in the street, out there in the street. So <laughs> you know where I'm going with that. You want your creative to be a freak in the sheets. Um, <laughs> You've done it again. I did it again. Uh, so you don't know when it's out on a bus stop what the engagement is, uh, how, how long people looked at the creative for, if they went to the website, uh, if they made a purchase. So when you're spending money, the amount that you have to on those signs, you need to make sure it works. And I don't think you should look at your Facebook ads any different to that. So you want to make sure that, think of it the same way that if you had no data, you couldn't tell who was going to click on it. You know, you want to make sure that you spend the most amount of money to get that ad cut through as high as you can. And that's the best way. In my opinion, you do it. <laughs> so now that we've touched on mobile ads and I dived into a different, into bus stops, let's talk about... A bit about copy. Copy. That's great. That's a great segue into copy. <laughs> it's a beautifully planned. Thank you so much. Well, Ben did touch a little bit on it about short, sharp headlines. And I've just got a few tips to cover on how you can really write engaging copy. And I think the first one <laughs> does tie in again sort of nicely is, is about nailing your headline. And we know the statistics show that people often don't read past a headline. So this is sort of the first sentence of copy. And you'll notice it with Facebook ads that you have to often expand the copy in order to read the full section of text. But you can't assume that people are going to do that. So you really need to make sure that you've got that punchy headline. A way that we like to do it, so this is some tips within a tip, it's tip inception. You want to make it a little bit jarring or controversial. Ben loves a controversial headline. Very good at writing them, I, I might say as well. I just like to be the drama. You like the drama. Am I the drama? You are. <laughs> we love that about you. But it's, you know, maybe we've used it as a podcast episode title, I think, but stop burning stop burning the retinas of your customers and things or why your ad is a stinker or why your design isn't looking. We just try and why your designer is so slow, a really popular one. And that's intriguing, isn't it? It's very intriguing. And I think adding emotion. So we talk about different angles as well. So you might want to try that polarizing or, or emotional. 
That's what you're here for. So much value. You want to add emotion. So different angles. You might be addressing a pain point or you might be addressing a pleasure point. And I wanted to use um, some examples of some recent ads that I've been writing. So there's a life coach who uh, works with 55 Knots and we've done some designs for them. But we looked at a few different pain and pleasure angles. So an example of a Facebook ad headline that is thinking about the fear of a customer of living a life that they regret is don't get to the end of your life to realize you never truly lived. (sighs) My heart. Mm. I don't want that to happen. So, you know, we're trying to capture that emotion. And then as an example of that same sort of angle, we've said my life felt empty and meaningless, highly emotional. Why does it feel meaningless? It provokes interest. And then the opposite, which would be a happy one. So we want someone to feel sort of positive and be inspired. And then we've got a hope and inspiration angle. So imagine jumping out of bed every morning. Just to recap on all of that, just that it's about picking those different emotional angles, um, leaning into them and leveraging, leveraging those in your headlines so that you capture that emotion and that attention straight away. Tip number two for copywriting best practice across Facebook ads, plan out what what it is that you're trying to say. So I recently did a copywriting course and it was really, really interesting because I think a lot of the time we'll just launch straight into time to write the ad. But there's a method where actually if you think about 100% of your time from the beginning, the moment that you decide to write a Facebook ad through to the end that it is finished and complete, you should actually spend 30% of your time planning what you're going to say first. Um, and so that's just more of a note of really thinking deeply about what is the aim of the ad? What, yeah, are you trying to capture people's interest through sharing benefits? Are you trying to share a testimonial? Like really spend that time planning. Tip number three, think about how your copy will complement your image or video. So we don't want to be repeating ourselves over and over again. Um, what what copy, you know, are you going to have complementing that image or video? Really think deeply about that. Tip number four, um, if something isn't working, try a different route. Um, again, that's sort of coming back to the different uh, testing frameworks that we speak about. It's really about going okay, well, I've tried this. I had a theory that this would work, but it's not working. Therefore, I'm going to try this one. If something's working, keep doing it, keep developing it, repurposing it. We love it. Um, And that is sort of my guide across our um, different copywriting for Facebook ads. Love a good polarizing headline. Mm. I do. We do. We do. You can't go wrong with it, can you? No. And something is working and you find it stops working. Um, Just set up the audience again and then you'll often find it'll bring new, new life. So... You don't necessarily need to ditch it completely. Mm, a gem of a tip there with Ben. Thank you. And, and in terms of engaging Facebook ads, obviously there's different types of formats, but how can um, how can our listeners sort of think about static versus video? Sure. So first of all, the difference between static and video. Static is obviously basically images that don't move. It's just one of them. They are what they are. And then you've got video ads or motion ads or motion graphics. So a recent study from Biteable found that video ads generated over triple the leads when compared to static images and generated 25% more impressions. We found that simply animating our static ads into video or GIF style ads beat out all our static versions for engagement and cost per link or click on Facebook. So we had a suite of static ads we had up for a week and then I decided, oh, why don't we just animate them? So we didn't do anything else. We just animated them, turned them into videos. 
and they performed a lot better. They outperformed all of the static images. Like, I don't know what the actual percentage was, but I know that maybe 2% higher or do you know the actual stats? But I know that they, we have a lot of ads up all the time. We just found that when we were searching through and doing reports, it was all the motion ad or motion version ads that were performing better than the static counterparts. And usually what that means is that you get more reach, you have more ad relevance, therefore you get more clicks and it costs you less. So the whole idea of getting a more engagement on your ads will help you get more people to your site or clicking through or engaging with your ad for less cost. So there is definitely a reason to do it rather than just trying to spend more money and trying to have more people go to your site on a bad performing ad. Platforms like TikTok, Instagram, Real, Snapchat, and Stories prove highly effective at marketing to younger consumers. So parents and boomers and Gen X and probably millennials are very used to direct response advertising or they've grown up with it in some way or another. They haven't always been on the feed. So whether that's been direct mail, junk mail, newsletters, magazine advertising, whereas Gen Z and younger have always had a feed. So they like to engage through the feed and they definitely like to engage with um, video content through platforms like TikTok, Instagram Reels, Snapchat and Stories. So if you're not doing those, you definitely should. So the pros of say motion ads versus static is they're more engaging. You can say more with the time available and they generally do perform better, but not always. Cons, they take longer to produce and are more expensive. So that would be my rundown on static versus motion. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, and it is startling, isn't it, every week where we do just see consistently that those motion ads are, are doing really well. Yeah, and so it's amazing that you don't actually need to animate them that much. Like, they don't need to be like a Steven Spielberg-produced film. They just need to be – you can literally just design something static, ask motion graphics to just animate the, the text coming in and coming out on a rotation, and they should perform better. Yeah, let us know how you go. So today we have spoken about the ways that you can boost your Facebook ads and make them more engaging. We touched on some of the different types of ad placements you might want to try and the difference between desktop and mobile. Ben really leaned into mobile responsiveness and how you can make sure your mobile ads pop. We then had a bit of a touch on some of the copywriting best practices and the ways that you can ensure that your copywriting is just the most engaging it can be, particularly with that mobile lens. And then Ben touched on some static versus video Facebook ads and why you might want to lean into motion, give it a try and see how it goes. Soon did Captain Coco come to bring unlimited designs and run. Thanks for listening to Design That Scales. If you want some help designing scroll-stopping Facebook ads for your business, follow us on Instagram at 55KnotsAgency and get in touch. Join us next week as we talk about loyalty programs and why they're effective with guest Isabel Martin. We'll see you then. Dum-dum-dum-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-